Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Hear now the word of the Lord from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who inspired the Apostle Matthew to write down this account of our Lord's time in the wilderness. And we ask now that your same Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and help us to understand the word that you have for us this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is really great to be here. And I'm not saying that just because I've spent the last 21 months in Washington, (laughs) D.C., living in transient housing at Andrews Air Force Base. It is really great to be here. This is a dream come true for my wife, Kathy, and I. When we heard that we were being called to come and, and be here during this interim time, our son, Andrew, sent us a text and said, so, how does it feel to have a dream come true? (laughs) This is where we have been coming for a vacation with our family ever since we discovered um, the Naval Amphibious Base and that great big 10-story building and that we can take family in there and look out the window and see Mexico and um, Point Loma. So they have a deep appreciation and love for Coronado as well. So it's really, really good to be here. It's also good to be here during the season of Lent. Lent is a season, a time that was created by the early church to help Christians to prepare to celebrate Easter. And during the time of Lent, one of the things that happens is we begin to appreciate who we are and whose we are as God's people. Now, the season of Lent is a 40-day period. It starts on Ash Wednesday, which was February 22nd, and it goes until April 8th, the day before Easter Sunday, which is, as everyone knows already, right, April 9th. But if you count up all those days, it doesn't add up to 40. And that's because Sundays are not counted. 
Lent is typically a time of prayer and fasting. And, on, and Sundays are considered feast days. So if you've given something up for Lent today, go for it. It's all good. So it's a 40-day period. It was started by the early church in 325 A.D. at the Council of Nicaea. In 339 A.D., Athanasius of Alexandria in Egypt wrote about the prayer and fasting that Christians practice during the season of Lent. And then later on, St. Augustine of Hippo in 354, who lived between 354 and 430 A.D., he wrote about the Lenten fast. And the reason why there is a fast in Lent, time of prayer and fasting, is because when Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, that's what he did. So it's the time to remember what Jesus did in the wilderness. But it's also a time for us to prepare ourselves for Easter Sunday. Now, the number 40 in the Bible is used to symbolize a time of preparation. During the flood, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights as God prepared the world for a new beginning. Later on, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They just had to get from Egypt over to the Jordan River. It wasn't going to take them 40 years to get there. But Jesus had them spend 40, but God had them spend 40 years out in the wilderness preparing to go into the promised land, which is right across the Jordan River. So when Jesus begins his earthly ministry on earth, he takes some time to prepare himself by spending 40 days and nights in the wilderness of Israel. Now, just before Jesus goes into the wilderness, he is baptized in the Jordan River by John the Presbyterian. I mean, John the Baptist. (laughs) And as he comes out of the waters of baptism, out of the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove. And everybody around him hears the voice of God the Father saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. At that moment, Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit for his ministry. The word anointed in the original Greek text of the New Testament, the Greek word for anointed, is Christos. The word anointed in Hebrew, in the original Hebrew text of the Old Testament, is Mashiach. It's where we get our English word Messiah from. Christos is where we get our English word Christ from. So Messiah, Christ, anointed. It's all the same word. So after Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit, he is led by the Spirit to go into the wilderness. As he's in the wilderness... He's praying, he's fasting, he's having this intimate time with God. And then after the fasting is coming to an end, while it's coming to an end, after 40 days, he is famished. And that's when Satan tempted him. The temptations that Jesus went through were also in preparation for his earthly ministry. One of the roles that Jesus has in our lives is, our high, is as our high priest. Jesus is our high priest. A priest is the representative of the people. A priest has to be one of the people, which is why God, one of the reasons why God the Son came to earth and took on a human body when he was born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus understands what it's like to get sick. 
He understands what it's like to have body pains. Maybe there were even times when his knees hurt. Jesus understands what it's like to be rejected. Jesus understands what it's like to be scorned and ridiculed and hated and misunderstood. He understands what it's like to grieve. And he also understands what it's like to struggle with temptation. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, we read, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. As our high priest, Jesus takes us by the hand and he leads us before God's very throne of grace. And he prays for us, saying, Father, I know what this person is going through. I know what their suffering is like. I know what their struggles are. I now I understand what it's like for them to be tempted. Please pour out your grace on them. Get them through these difficult times. This is what they need. That's what Jesus does for us as our high priest. But before he can do that, he has to experience temptation just like we experience temptation. And so the devil comes to Jesus at his weakest physical moment. And he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Satan is not just tempting Jesus to break the fast, this intimate time he's having with God the Father. Satan is also tempting Jesus to forget who he is. But Jesus remembered who he is. Satan says, if you are the son of God, Jesus might have been thinking, yeah, I was just baptized before I came out here. And I heard the voice of God the Father say, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus knew who he was. And he knew whose he was. And so he replies to Satan, quoting scripture. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. So for the past few weeks, you folks have been involved in a sermon series on the book of what? Say Ephesians. Exactly right. And when you got to chapter 5 of Ephesians, you learned about the armor of God. And there were different parts of the armor of God. Breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and so on. One of the pieces of God's armor that he gives to us is an offensive weapon. What is the offensive weapon that God gives to us? The word, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. All right, so here we see Jesus using the sword of the spirit in spiritual warfare. He picks up the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and he's fighting against Satan himself. And he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, slash. Man does not live by bread alone. 
And then Satan comes again, and he takes Jesus to the holy city and has him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Again, if you are the Son of God. So one of the things we see here is that Satan can quote Scripture too. He's quoting from Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, which lets us know that Satan understands the Bible. But he's twisting it. He's twisting the Word of God in order to tempt Jesus, to misuse the Scriptures. And so Jesus picks up the sword of the Spirit again, and he says, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. That's from Deuteronomy 6.16. Slash, again, in this spiritual warfare that he is having with Satan. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13, another slash. And then the devil left him. And angels came and attended him, feeding him, strengthening him, watching over him, keeping him safe from further attacks from the devil because he was in a weak physical state. Later on, Jesus' own brother, James, would write, Resist the devil and he will flee from you maybe thinking back to what his older brother Jesus had told him about what it was like to be in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. All of us from time to time go through a wilderness experience. I mentioned before about the Israelites going through their wilderness experience for 40 years as they were preparing to go into the promised land. And during this time in the wilderness, God gave them Moses to be their leader. And he guided them, he taught them, he showed them what it was like to live in a close and intimate relationship with God. Whenever they would stray, he would bring them back. He would go to God and pray for the people as a priest would pray for the people. Over 40 years, they grew to love him and trust him and look up up to him and depend on him. And then Moses dies. And the people were grieving, wondering how they're going to get along without someone like that to be their leader, someone who shared their joys and their sorrows, who was a wise guide, who helped them to grow closer to the Lord for all those years. And then God gives them a new leader. His name is Joshua. He was Moses' aide. He grew up in their midst. They knew who this guy was. Joshua is called Joshua the son of Nun. His father was Nun. But I imagine that maybe people called him Joshua the kid. Wondering, how is this kid going to get us into the promised land? He's no Moses. What are we going to do? Now, the people had a reputation as grumblers. They would grumble against Moses. They would grumble against God. It got to be irritating from time to time. 
you know, if you're reading what happened in the book of Exodus, it's like, oh my gosh, here they go again. What's their problem? So I imagine that they might have grumbled against Joshua too. Maybe there were times when they said things like, that's not how Moses did it. You know, every Tuesday, we eat manna burgers. What is this new manna taco Tuesday all about, Joshua? What the heck? You know, Moses was with us 40 years. That's even longer than that guy was with his people in Coronado. You know that guy with the really cool first name? John, the Presbyterian? And so the Lord encourages Joshua and the people by saying, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then the people spent three days packing up their stuff, forming up, getting ready to march out smartly. They crossed the Jordan River, the same Jordan River where Jesus was baptized, and they took possession of the promised land. During their 40 years with God out in the wilderness, they learned that they could trust God. And they also learned who they were and whose they were. They were God's beloved children. And this understanding is what enabled them to take on a new challenge and to go into a new world. There are times when all of us go through a wilderness experience. Maybe it's because of health issues that we're struggling with. You know, as a pastor, I visit people in the hospital. And one of the reasons why we make hospital visits or go to people's homes when they can't come and be with us and worship is because when people are hurting and suffering physically, they can't pray for themselves anymore. It's just beyond them. And so one of the reasons why we go is to lift up these people before God's throne of grace in prayer, where they will find mercy and grace and healing. So when we go through difficult health issues, it can feel like a wilderness. When we're struggling with loss, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a relationship, we feel like we're in a wilderness. Maybe during times of recovery, whether it's recovering from an addiction or recovering from a trauma, it can feel like a wilderness. Maybe when we're trying to cope with depression and anxiety, we feel like we're in a wilderness. Maybe when we're struggling with temptations and we know that if we give in and sin, that sin is going to be devastating, not just for us, but for all of our loved ones, we may feel like we're in a wilderness. Maybe we feel like we're in a wilderness because we had to say goodbye to David and Jody, a beloved pastor and wife who were with this congregation, celebrating your joys, sharing your sorrows, praying for you, watching over you, shepherding you faithfully. It may feel like we're going through a wilderness right now. But whenever we go through a wilderness, we need to remember who we are and whose we are. We have been baptized. 
and we are God's beloved children. From May 1521 to 1522, Martin Luther had to hide out in Wartburg Castle, where he was a guest of William the Wise of Saxony. And during this year that he was in a castle, hiding out because there were people who wanted to kill him and burn him at the stake, he took the time to translate the Old Testament into German and the New Testament into German. Because back then, all the people had was the Latin translation that was made by Jerome in 382 A.D. And during this time in the castle, deeply immersed in the word of God, you would think that this was one of the closest times that Luther ever had with with God himself, right? All he did was go over one verse after another, reading the scriptures, translating the scriptures. But instead, this was a time of discouragement for Luther, a time of despair, a time of deep depression. He felt the presence of Satan in his room as he was translating. And people who were there at the castle wrote that from time to time, they could hear Luther take one of the ink pots and throw it against the wall and hear it shatter. And then Luther would scream, I have been baptized. I have been baptized. During that wilderness time that Luther went through, he was comforted in the fact that he could remember who he was. And he could remember whose he was. So during this journey of Lent that all of us are on together, I invite you to take time to pray. If you want to fast or use one of the other spiritual disciplines to draw closer to the Lord, I encourage you to do that. But I also encourage you to remember who you are and whose you are. As we leave this sanctuary, you may feel like you're going back out into the wilderness. Before you go, the baptismal font is right there at the front door. It's filled with the waters of baptism. And there's a rock. There are rocks in that baptistry, a rock for everyone. So I invite you to put your hand into the waters of baptism and take out a rock, remembering that you have been baptized and remembering that you are a beloved child of God. Now, if you haven't been baptized yet, Put your hand in and take a rock out. And if you're thinking about baptism, come and talk to me at some time. We'll walk through that. And if this is the time that you feel is appropriate for you to be baptized, I would be glad to help you with that as well. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org.